Welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the FPL Blues Podcast. This is our first episode of the preseason. We are so thrilled. Brian is back from his lovely honeymoon, and Bucks is here in New York. I survived bedtime tonight. We are recording. It is Sunday, July 10th. The FPL game has officially launched. We've been able to dive deep into the various price points, the team releases, and we're still got a month almost to go until the season kicks off. So we are thrilled to be back on your airwaves, in your podcast feed. And yeah, let's let's hit the ground running, Brian. You excited? You feel refreshed? It feels so good to be back. Bucks, I have had a whirlwind of a month after getting married and then also going to Croatia and Italy for three weeks on my honeymoon. So I'm what you would call a fat cat uh, who's a bit hungover emotionally, but uh, I'm in good spirits, high spirits with FPL uh, back. The game is launched and we have a lot of things to discuss. So let's break it down for our listeners. And here we go. Yeah, Brian, congrats on selecting and securing your perma captain for life. And I know you mentioned you were poolside drinking, going on boat rides flights, whatever, but uh, I know you were tinkering the whole time and uh, we're both addicts, so we can't take too much space between us and the FPL game that we love so much. Yeah. I mean, I think my partner read like three or four books over the course of our honeymoon. And instead (laughs) I have like maybe a full notebook of just scribbles of FPL um, notes and random formation changes and all the rest. So I'm excited that the game's finally launched. I had a lot of time to think about this upcoming season. And after these prices got revealed, wow, I am excited about some of the options that we have, especially in defense. So we'll get to it in a few moments, but let's talk about what's actually changed this season. And that includes FPL Towers giving us some updates on unlimited transfers between the World Cup. What are your thoughts there, Bucks? Yeah, so really important that we let the FPL community make sure they know about this. They're fully aware. This season is going to be unique. Obviously, we're coming out of some COVID seasons, which were crazy, chaotic, but this season is going to be a first because the World Cup is going to be in the wintertime. Uh, it's going to be starting right around November, and then it goes all the way till Boxing Day right after Christmas. So we're going to be off from the FPL game from the Premier League for about a month's time. And to accommodate this, and keep people intrigued. I think the official FPL game made a couple smart tweaks. In general, we saw pricing come in slightly lower and more uh, stratified than I think we have in years past. And over and on top of that, we are going to get unlimited wildcard style transfer moves in game week 17. And what this means is that we're really going to have four different times that we can fully reset our teams in this FPL season. So the first is obviously before the game launches going into game week one, then there's going to be a first wild card, which can be used in the first half of the season from game weeks one through game week 18. There is going to be that world cup kind of special wild card. And then the second half of the season will also feature its own wild card. So again, this is adding a completely different wrinkle to how we attack and approach the first half of the season, because historically you'd only get to fully reset your team once on that first wild card. So now I think a lot of FPL managers like Brian and I are thinking about being much more aggressive from the outset, because we know we're going to have a second kind of first half wild card in our pocket 
to start this season. Yeah, it's great to have this information up front, honestly. I mean, when we look at the 2021 season, Bucks, where we had that COVID season, and then all of a sudden FPL Towers just dropped this uh, Santa bag gift of goodies on our laps between the restart time for COVID. Um, you know, that was a huge kind of monkey wrench in the season. A lot of managers didn't like that, but we all have this information up front. So it allows us to plan and gives us more options to possibly dead end our teams or have thinner benches because we have that looming time where we'll be able to reset our whole team. So very interesting um, times ahead for that. Yeah. And I think to pile on what you're saying, Brian, I think this really eliminates the need to do like a game week one bench boost or something crazy like that right out of the gates, because we'll be able to use our first wild card relatively early before game week eight, let's say, and you'll really know who the players that are underpriced, that are playing out of position, that are in form by that point in the season. And then you could use your first wild card potentially bench boost early. So you get that chip out of the way. And then, you know, that in a couple of game weeks time, you're really only, you know, attacking a, a handful of fixtures in that first half of the season. So it's really nice that FPL towers, the official FPL game has really made it easy for managers to attack this new season in a series of quarters. So you really, you're attacking a series of let's say 10 game weeks or eight to 10 game weeks at a time. And that means that FPL managers can be more aggressive, be a little more punty with some of their selections and go differential, which I love personally. Um, so I think it's going to be a really fun season from the jump. And just from the way that the game was set up, it's really incentivizing managers to be a little more bold at the start of the season. Yeah. And I think Bucks, I, I'm just jacked up right now. I just thinking about all the tinkering we're going to be able to do <laughs> in addition to our chips and those chips will be used in the latter parts of the season. We have a, a really fun time ahead of us. And I think a few things that I would have liked to see from the FPL towers did not happen. I think we've talked about it before, but losing the bench boost chip and introducing a different chip. I think that's going to be coming in the next season or two, but I was really hoping it happened this season that didn't happen. And then um, I know we're going to get into it on the pricing, but you know, a lot of these players are priced to buy. And I thought they, they really missed the mark on a few of those guys. So let's move on to kind of the pricing. Uh, what was your overall thoughts on, you know, how they strategized a lot of the player brackets and what that means for FPL managers this season. Yeah, so for me, it's pretty straightforward. I think my big takeaway is that only Mo Salah and Hyungmin Sung were correctly priced of the top scores from last season. And I would say that from goalkeepers, the top performers in that category, the top defenders, uh, all the way to the top forwards and midfielders, I think that really across the board, there's a lot of underpricing. And I think... Like Brian, you said, I think we're being teased a little bit to go for maybe two, three premiums in attack and figure out the way, you know, I've seen a lot of FPL early drafts that have five at the back and they're all premium-esque defenders. So there's really a lot of ways that you can kind of make this season um, exciting from game week one, having a lot of popular names and proven FPL and Premier League talents in your team. So uh, that's my quick takeaway. Yeah, Bucks, totally agree with you. I think Sala priced at 13 million. That's a fair price for him. He's consistently the best FPL player in the game, probably in the history of FPL. So I agree with you there. 13 million was great. Uh, Stun, I thought might be priced 
exactly the same as Kane, but he had a monstrous season last year, wins a golden boot alongside Sala, and he gets a big price rise. So he's actually 0.5 more than Kane. So I think that'll be interesting to see as time progresses, especially if Kane gets back in the goals with this Conte-led team. But overall, I thought KDB uh, was definitely a little bit overpriced. He's 0.5 more than Holland. And so that that's something that I think we're going to see if that consistency that he delivers for City is actually worth points this season. But I, I don't think that his 15-goal season is going to happen again. He's probably going to be 10 goals, 15 assists uh, this season with a point man like Holland up top. So I think he was a little overpriced too, but overall um, the, the premiums they're, they're pretty far and few between. <laughs> yeah. Few and far between. And I think mentioning Holland really is a nice transition, Brian, because I think we should really double click on the forwards. Cause I think in general, that is the position that has the largest share of overpriced players. And I think the player that jumps off the FPL page as being the most ludicrously overpriced is one DCL, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin from Everton. I mean, the fact that the guy is coming off a really difficult season, a brutal injury, and they lost their kind of creative engine in Richarlison, the guy who kind of connects everything from DCL all the way up top from their midfield and their uh, defense that's had some woes. The fact that he is an even 8 million I mean, I think he's going to be one of the least owned players in the game because he's such a weird price point and he's really unproven. We have so little uh, proof that this Everton team can score without Richarlison, let alone that DCL is going to just have a resurgence and, uh, you know, become the striker that he was uh, two seasons ago. Yeah. And you would think that Everton would do something in the transfer window they haven't yet obviously they've sold Richarlison for close to 50 mil so you'd have to think that they reinvest that and aren't going to go into the season with just DCL and Gordon up top Um, I mean looking back at DCL and Bamford two seasons ago they were amazing they both had about 180 points and they were really those mid-price forwards that were our darlings of our FPL seasons but last year both of them suffer big injuries they play very few minutes and they are overpriced. Uh, Bamford is 7.5 on a lead team that is not going to have Rafinha and almost got relegated last year as well. So you'd have to think that both of these players are not going to be very popular at all in FPL. And once again, you know, this season, we'll see very few managers play with three forwards up top. We're going to see a lot of one and two forward formations and just Deadwood on the bench, which I know you love, Buck. So I know you love when I have uh, the random uh, that, Kieran Davis or some random guy up top. You don't even know the guy's name. It's Keenan Davis. Put some respect on this 4.5 uh, attacking player who subs on for a magical one minute uh, showcase performance every other game. Uh, I really, the I'm glad that we're pretty much done away with most of the 4.5 million uh, forward players, but we'll save that for a future pod. Uh, two other players I just want to shout out. Uh, Raul Jimenez is 7 million on Wolves. I mean, Wolves were one of the most dreadful attacking teams all of last season. To to see that he is at 7 million, where Chris Wood is 6 million. I mean, I think there's a lot of value chasing uh, some cheaper attacking options as opposed to going for a guy like Jimenez. And uh, his linesman last season. uh, Hold on, hold on, Bucks. We get. 
hold on. You just shouted out Chris Wood, who scored one goal for Newcastle after transferring one goal all of last season on Newcastle. Newcastle is a better attack, Brian. We'll talk about this in future podcasts. All right, come on. If if you would have if you would have told me, you know, you're gonna shout out Callum the Truth Wilson, then I could agree with you there. But I gotta give you some flack on Chris Wood. He he's his time as an FPL asset is donezo. I'm going to tell you right now that Undav, this new guy that came in to Brighton at 5.5 million and Chris Wood are both going to have higher ownership than Jimenez. And I would even venture to place a a gentleman's wager that they score more goals than Jimenez does this season. So uh, we'll put that to the sidebar for now. Um, Well, no, let's, let's, let's agree on it. If we're going to, if you're going to put it out there, I will take, I will take Jimenez. You can take Chris Wood head to head. We'll make a friendly first friendly wager of the season. It's happening live, ladies and gentlemen. We're doing it live. All right, it's on. It's on. All right, and to keep it rolling, we also just want to uh, make sure to shout out some of these defensive, uh, less attacking midfielders. Very bizarre that they're all coming in at five to five point five million. Uh, I think players like Declan Rice, like Oriol Romeu, they used to be kind of. 4.5, 5 million, uh, easy guys to fit in if they had penalty kicks and they could be a nice differential uh, off your bench every once in a while. But the fact that they're now 5 million or 5.5 million pretty much means that they are, uh, they're roadkill. I mean, I don't see many FPL teams that know what they're doing, bringing in guys like that um, to fill out their team. It's just a weird price to fit in. And if you don't have attacking upside, um, you might as well just get two 4.5 million players and stash the cash elsewhere. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. I think when they started doing their like drops of the player pricing, some managers out there were getting excited to think about the opportunity of maybe you know, a player makes three tackles in a match and then he gets a point. Uh, that's something that's always been kicked around um, when we're talking about rule changes to the FPL game overall, but uh, that did not happen in the game release. So it makes no sense. We're going to stay away from those players and you may as well not even list them as options. I, I it's, it's pretty dumb to have these 5.0 defensive mids at best. You're going to get three points from them. So may as well make them four or five like last year. So Whatever. Let's keep it moving, Bucks. Let's talk about some of the underpriced assets, because this is where I think FPL Towers really missed the boat here. Um, Let's start with the wingbacks. What are your thoughts on TAA with no price rise year over year? And he had over 200 points last season. Uh, It just doesn't really make sense. I think I mentioned it at the top. I think the premium goalkeepers and defenders are both uh, criminally underpriced. I mean, TAA was trading at 8.5 million at the end of last season. So to see him come all the way back down to 7.5 million as an opening ticker price uh, to get him in your FPL team, he is one of the players that is a lock in every single FPL draft I'm making. Don't get too cute. He's automatic getting 190 plus points a season, and he's only getting better. The guy is not even 25 years old. Uh, He can't even rent the car in the United States, but he is an (laughs) FPL diamond in the rough at 7.5 million. I think he's going to outscore most of the 8 million midfielders by at least 20 points in the FPL game. So he's a must have at 7.5 million. And then you just go across the board. I mean, to have both of the Chelsea wingbacks, Reese James and Ben Chilwell at 6 million when they were two of the highest points per game players in the entire FPL option class. I mean, that's ludicrous. The fact that Cancelo is 7 million 
ludicrous. He was one of the best players, not just in the city team, but in the whole league, uh, let alone in the FPL game. So I think you just go down the board and you see all these players are, they're gettable. I mean, 5 million for Trippier. He looks like he's a steal. What if Cucurella ends up on Man City at 5 million? Steal. So, I mean, I think you look at a lot of these defenders um, and there's just, there's options to get a 5 million player that's going to score 170, potentially 190 points in the FPL game if you pick the right one on the right defense. So I think that across the board is underpriced. Yeah, so I completely agree with you on the wingbacks. Robbo, he had 185 points last season. Reese James and, and Chilwell as well. I think they should have been priced 0.5 million more. So now you're just seeing many engaged managers go with four ultra premium guys at the back because they're going to deliver way more points than any of these 8 million pound forwards. So I, I definitely agree with you there. They, they botched this pricing and shame on you, FPL Towers. Shame. <laughs> shame, shame, shame. I should go without saying we shouldn't skip over this, but there is a real situation where you could just double click on the best defenses from last season and double up on defense or go across the board, having at least one from each of those defensive units. So Liverpool city and Chelsea were the three best defenses last season by a wide margin. And then next up were Spurs and Arsenal. So you could really build your team with the way that they've priced the wingbacks and the goalkeepers to have Ederson and Cancelo, Rabo and TAA and Reese James. And that's your defense. And you don't even have to really ever think about making rotation. Um, and I think that just makes it a little too easy to go big at the back. Yeah, I agree. And just looking at the way that they priced Paris and also the Croatian Paris, must must shout him out because a lot of uh, my tour guides were talking about him joining Spurs when I was uh, chatting with them and having some banter, but He's at 5.5 and then Doc, he's at 5.0. There's a there's a reality that Spurs have third best defense in the entire league this year. Uh, I think they really could be better than Chelsea with Chelsea losing Rudiger. So those guys to me are also very underpriced. So we have some great options and we're going to see a lot of four and five at the back. Um, just want to counter act your your earlier comment bucks though about the pricing on the goalkeepers i was actually very intrigued to see them come down from the 6.0 premium level which ederson and allison were last year and have the top price uh, top price in that bracket be 5.5 it just gives a little bit more variety to managers who might you know actually choose them and we've seen goalkeepers have 185 plus points in the past before so we might see a little bit more of those premiums entering your squads and Mendy was 5.0 as a Chelsea fan and a Chelsea supporter box. I think you might be interested in maybe having him in some of your drafts. Well, the fact that he was 6 million last season to start, and now he's 5 million. I mean, when I'm considering getting Raya from Brentford, which is they're a good defensive team, but they're not great. And they're definitely not going to be competing for champions league spots. And for 0.5 million, I can get, Mendy on one of the best defensive teams historically with one of a defensive minded coach. And he was arguably the should have been in consideration for goalie of the year, both of the last two seasons. I mean, steel city. He is also one of the players <laughs> that is likely locked in my team. The only person that might be pushing him out is Ederson because Ederson at 5.5 million with the potential of uh 
assist somewhere in the season. Uh, I mean, that's also, I think, underpriced. So I just, I think that FPL, the game kind of eliminated the allure of going 4.5 for dead keeper um, because you really can find 0.5 million in the game the way that the pricing has shaken out. So uh, that's our quick take on that. Um, I think we can continue on talking about some outfield players as they're more interesting and they're uh, they're more compelling because they have higher upside. So let's go to Liverpool, the team that really had a chance at being a team of destiny last season, but one of their transfers really came good and he came in at a very favorable price this season. Yeah, Luis Diaz comes in at 8 million. Very surprising price because his other attacking counterparts in Jota and Darwin both were about 9 million. So they're in the forwards bracket, of course, but it was very surprising to see Diaz have no change in price with Mane leaving. I mean, he's the heir um, heir of the throne on the left in Mane's slot. So very interesting to see that they just kept him at 8 million. I think they wanted to keep the price between Rabo and Diaz as close as possible because so many managers will go for that triple up. And if their prices are at least similar, then they might have a tougher decision on their hands. So that's the only way that I can, you know, back FPL Towers on that pricing because I think he is truly a nine to 9.5 million pound asset. I agree. I was going to say, I think they should have swapped it. I think Luis Diaz should have been the one that is 9 million because he gets the extra point in midfield for goals. And I think both Jota and Darwin Nunez, who's new, he's unproven talent. He's never scored a goal in English Premier League football. He should have been 8 million with Jota uh, because there's more rotation risk in that center spot. Um, They're a little more deep there. And I think Diaz and Salah are more secure in getting regular minutes in each of their positions. So very interesting selection there. And uh, another new addition um, to a new team, I think, is Gabriel Jesus, the man who has risen into Arsenal red. Uh, and he really rose uh, and peaked a lot of, uh, of FPL managers who are watching preseason because he scored his opening goal as a gunner within 90 seconds of subbing onto the pitch for them. Very impressive. Is, is that yeah. good? Is is that good, Bucks? Right, that's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, he ended up with a brace in preseason. Again, preseason, not so much to write home about, but it's nice to see that he is going to be locked in as a starter up top for a young, attack-minded Arsenal team. So I think he comes in at 8 million. Bargain, bargain, bargain. He doesn't have penalty kicks, but he's going to be super involved. And if he can even put the ball on net 10% more than Lacazette, he's going to be such a fantasy darling (laughs) because he's not going to just get assists. He's also going to get goals. And I think that's uh, almost, almost criminal underpricing on Gabriel Jesus, considering he was more expensive on city when he was less uh, secure in his playing time. So uh, I think it's a no brainer that Jesus will be one of the more popular forward options this season. I mean, Bucks, this man has a pedigree at Manchester City. He usually plays about 2,000 minutes under Pep. If he plays 3,000 minutes under Arteta and is the man up top, he's going to provide huge value. And when we look at his price tag, you know who else is 8.0? DCL. It's not even close. Not even close. Jesus is going to blow him out of the water in terms of points. And I'm very very happy to see him come in at the same price as Saka. It does give us, you know, a a tough decision to make. 
And really, you know, we're going to find out in preseason who might be on pens. That'll, that'll help a lot. Saka did make and convert a few pens last season, but overall this signing is great for Arsenal. He's going to be able to uh, link up with his, um, well, actually, I was thinking Bucks. Now this team has three Gabriels, all from um, all from Brazil. It's kind of funny. A little they confusing. Have, yeah, right. It, I think practice. what's really <laughs> what's really nice about the Jesus signing is that it doesn't really change or alter their timeline. Arsenal is still a team on the come up. They're really young. I think there really aren't any severe or significant or stress inducing expectations on this team. The fact that they just continue to level up, they get experience for their young players and their young players are really starting to have their come up, so to speak. Uh, I think it's all exciting and it's all to play for in the future for Arsenal. And this really gives them someone who's a proven winner. He he's, been, you know, Arteta learned from Pep. Jesus now is learning from Pep. So I think it's all good things going into a World Cup, which is going to be a wacky season. Uh, who knows what can happen? But I think Arsenal is going to be a team to watch for certain uh, going into the 2022-2023 season. Yeah, I mean, Jesus is a fitness monster as well. He presses really, really well. So I can see him hopefully playing 2,800 plus minutes this season. And when we look at his price tag, I thought he could have been priced closer to Vardy, to be honest. I think those are two players that play up top in attack, attacking-minded teams. And I just think 8.0 is, is just so underpriced. So we'll see how that fits into Game Week 1 squads. But let's um, let's keep it moving, Bucks, and just shout out a few teams to watch and a few of the price tags that caught our eyes. Uh, not necessarily underpriced or overpriced, but just caught our eyes. And um, we'll we'll wrap up this section here. Yeah, so I think first and foremost is Man United. Um, they've been really quiet on the transfer front, and there's rumors that they might be losing Cristiano Ronaldo, who wants to go to a team with Champions League this season, uh, which is understandable considering his age and pedigree. However, you know, at 10.5 million, which he's priced at, if he goes to a team like Chelsea or if he goes to a team, I'm just going to get crazy here, like West Ham or like, you know, just one of these teams that has a really, really skilled midfield behind him, I think that could be a real game changer. I think, you know, when you talk about Jesus, you're talking about Holland. These guys are priced to buy. Like we said, at 11.5 million, you could put in a second uh, proven striker next to Holland and not totally break your team. But I think that Cristiano Ronaldo, what happens with him is going to have a lot of domino effects on who are the players that are interesting at Manchester United. Rashford is a midfielder. He's priced at 6.5 million. Alanga, really young attacking midfielder, also priced um, at 5 million. So there's just options of who's going to fit in to be that kind of central forward option. And we don't know yet. And that's really compelling. So I think there's a lot, there's a lot of stories still to be written in the Eric Ten Hag uh, first transfer window. Um, they've really been chasing defensive midfielders and they haven't been landing anyone. So no, no attacking options, no midfield depth. Um, so it's been a really bizarre uh, window for them to say the least. Two other teams that I want to mention, Newcastle. Hold on, West. hold on. Oh, let me let sorry. me let me jump in here. Just want to throw some devil talk in here. Remix. Rewind. All right, Bucks. I, I actually think the more interesting scenario will will be if Cristiano Ronaldo leaves, and then we have all of a sudden possibly Rashford at 6.5 million become an asset or 
Speak of the devil. Bruno Fernandez comes don't back. Say in our don't say it. Don't. Don't. Is... You're sick. You're a sick man. You're you're a sick, sick human being. You cannot be back on the Bruno Fernandez train. No, 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 no. I mean, he might get pens from uh, Ronaldo if he leaves. I think he's a player, again, 27 years old. He could really bounce back in a huge way. And at 10 million, last season, we went into it and a lot of us had him locked in in our game week one squads at 12 million. He's 2 million pounds less. True. And he's, he's a player that, again, at 10 million, is you can fit him into your squad and still um, you know, make some moves elsewhere. So I'm just some somebody who's firmly on my watch list and depending how the new manager comes in and, you know, we still have three weeks left for a lot of moves to be made. I think uh, it's been a little bit slower than I anticipated just in terms of often moves. I think, you know, looking at Chelsea, looking at uh, Man U, they're still waiting to make their big splashy plays. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but let's move on to Newcastle. Um, what are your thoughts here? I thought all their pricing was, pretty respectable they didn't have any big rises they pretty much came in at the same prices as last season but they're an exponentially better team under eddie house so what are your thoughts here on newcastle i think they're one of the teams to target this season i'm expecting a lot from them um just before i get into the players i'm a little surprised that they haven't been more active this window considering how voracious they were with spending and just throwing that money left and right in the winter window. So it's a little interesting to see that we're in the more popular, the more robust summer transfer window, and they're not as active as I would have expected the Saudis to be. Maybe that's because oil prices are uh, in a weird place, but who knows? Um, uh, wow, I think he went there. He went there. <laughs> Callum Wilson, uh, I think he's an excellent option. 7.5 million up top. He has penalties when he plays and is fit. He is an absolute monster, and uh, I think he will be leading the line of a really uh, strong and competitive Newcastle team from Jump Street. Um, Nick Pope is the kind of marquee signing of the offseason. He comes in at $5 million. And he's someone who's really compelling. He's a great shot stopper. And we saw Eddie Howe totally transform that defense after bringing in his guy, Kieran Tier. Trippier, excuse me, Kieran Trippier. Uh, he's also 5 million and they brought in this guy. He has really great um, respect of the scouts. Uh, this guy, Boatman, Sven Boatman. He's a big physical cent center back. He's priced at 4.5 million and he does offer some attacking uh, gusto on uh, corner kicks and whatnot. So uh, I think Newcastle are a team to monitor. And last season, Bruno Himares uh, came in. He was one of the marquee signings that they made in the winter window. And he really ticked on down the stretch run of the season. He had three tremendous goals for Newcastle for them to stay up and really help them um, push on to this season. So I think across the board, there are a lot of players that are appealing uh, at the Newcastle team in their price brackets. Yeah. And Bruno G is 6.0. So he's in that kind of mid price enabler bracket that Martinelli Neto, those are three of the most common players that we're seeing in early drafts. So definitely one to keep an eye on. And we're overall, we're just excited to see what happens with Newcastle this year and see if they can uh, definitely place in the top half. So another team that'll be fighting to have a much better season than last year is Leicester. But with no European commitments this season, their assets are priced at buy bucks. I was taken aback by the way that their defenders were priced, given that they were all 
you know, a bag of bones last season, everyone was injured, but if they come back at full strength, all of their defenders are listed at 4.5. This could be very interesting when they hit their uh, purple patch of form and easy fixtures. Yeah, Leicester are definitely a team with the pedigree to be contending for Champions League positions. We've seen it for three of the last four seasons. They were uh, among the best and most consistent teams towards the top of the league. So uh, I'm, I have high expectations. One that I really am interested in is James Madison. He comes in at $8 million. Uh, I think he was one of the standout players that can really just explode for FPL returns, double digit hauls, gets two assists. He'll get all three bonus. He's a player that we saw last season. I think he had like four or five double digit hauls at least uh, in the back half of the season when he was healthy. And another player I really like James Justin back fit, you know, Fofana came into that team. He's also 4.5 million. I think the only issue with Lester is they do have a choppy opening stretch of the season so that's something to be mindful maybe there are players that you earmark on your watch list to bring in after your first wild card but aren't in your initial team uh when you get the game started in week one so uh those are three teams we really want to uh just make sure you're aware of and monitoring uh as we start the season yeah great shouts bucks i think lester is going to have a bounce back year and there will be times where we jump on one or two of their assets for sure. So we're going to take a quick break and then come back with some draft building tips. And then we'll close out this episode. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let's get into some key tips to building the best possible starting 11 and your full 15 roster going into game week one. And it's worth mentioning that there is a lot that's going to change. So we will have follow-up episodes where we go through our best picks for goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, and forwards. And then where we each individually reveal our game week one team. So Brian will have his team. I will have my own team. And so that's what's to come. There's going to be at least five more preseason episodes from us FPL blues boys. So Without further ado, Brian, what are your kind of key tips to building the best possible game week one team? I think it's really important for managers to look at the different player price brackets. So take some time on the FPL website. Hopefully it's loading now and there's no server crashing, but take some time and just familiarize yourself. Wow, you with went the, there. You went there. I mean, we're, we're always hope- preseason episode one. You went there. Damn. We're, we're always hoping Ruthless. for more from FPL Towers, man. We're always hoping for more. Their, their tech stack uh, <laughs> you know, could, could use some investment, but uh, it's a free game for us, so we shouldn't complain too much. Um, yeah, looking at these player price brackets, I think it's really important to just understand you know, how you're going to build your team. So at this point, I would say you would want to have two premiums and start your team there because those guys are going to take at up least, 25. At least. Yeah, those guys are going to take up 25% of your price um, at hundred million pounds, but I don't really think you need three. I think two is plenty because you're either going to captain one or the other. And then if you have to possibly look at captaining a Cancelo or a Trent, that's not a bad thing. Those are standout options as well. So teams that have three premiums, I just think that it's too much budget based on the value that you can actually um, squeeze from it. So what are your thoughts, Bucks, on you know making sure that we fit two premiums to start? Yeah, I agree with you. I think really the decision uh, going into the season is whether you need two or three premiums. Most of the drafts I'm liking or doing myself have two premiums. And for me, 
the first choice is Salah and Holland. I think one forward, one midfielder makes it really easy to swap and interchange between the two. And what's nice about Holland is he can easily be Kane or he could easily be dropped down so that you can maybe move one of your midfielders up to get a player like Sterling or Son uh, in two moves. So I like that that's kind of an easy and malleable setup. And just, I know you were talking about the price brackets. The real price bracket that we need to make sure we mention is the 8 million, the 8.5 to 8 million midfield tier because- Oh man, Bucks, what, what a full what, what of a club. treats. What a, what a late night club this is. They got all the best looking guys in this club, some top performers from last season. Let's, let's break it down because you're going to want probably one or two slots at 8.0 minimum for your draft building. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Bowen, 8.5 million. Then you got Mason Mount, Bakoya Saka, Kulisevsky, Mares, Foden, Diaz, Madison, anyone else? Ba ba ba. Maria, Shakira, Samel, Shalanda, <laughs> Monique. There's everyone's in this tier, and it's it's just there's going to be point halls left, right, and center from this group. So I think it's really exciting. I agree with you, Brian. I think every team needs to have at least one of these guys because whoever you pick can easily be the other guy. Um, if you know, say Jared Bowen gets a good start, you could easily go mount to Jared Bowen uh, in one move. Uh, it's not. 0.5 million is not a mile or it's not a mountain to climb uh, in the FPL game. So you just need to make sure that you have flexibility to go between these guys throughout the course of the season. So I really like that price bracket. And I think we're going to get tremendous value and a lot of point returns from some of these guys. Yeah, totally agree. And it's really helpful that even somebody like Jesus is, is 8.0 as well. So we'll be able to make some moves between those guys very fluidly. All right. So moving forward, I think when you're building your draft, try and just pick your base must-haves, right? I know you said Holland and also Salah are your locks. For me, I'm adding Trent and Cancelo to that. So every single one of my drafts has those four base players to start. And so then you kind of make you know copies of that and switch your team and your formations around the edges. But for us, I think we're really recommending having four defenders in your starting game week one squad. So I, I really back that in a big way. I think there's so much value to be had in the defense. So playing a 4-5-1 or a 4-4-2 is very appealing this season. Agreed. And I actually think that it's not crazy to think about going five at the back to open the season. If you are looking at an early wild card, we'll touch on this a little deeper into the preseason conversations and podcasts, but there's just so much value in going for five million plus guys in defense where these are players that can score 150 plus points. Whereas, you know, you're not getting that same equivalent value anywhere close for a 5 million midfielder or attacker. So uh, just something to be mindful of uh, as we start the season. Yeah. I love five of the back bucks. You know me. I love uh, baby got back. I love big at the back. I'm definitely into it. The only problem is when you look at your bench rotations, like you said before, there are very few 4.5 million pound midfielders and strikers. So you are going to have very little action coming off your bench. Whereas if you play a 4-4-2, it might be more flexible and you could have 
a 4.5 cheap defender, which there are a ton of, you know, looking at like Tomiyasu coming from Arsenal, James Justin, 4.5, Lewis Dunk, 4.5. Those guys could actually come in off your bench and get you points, get you, you know, an eight or nine pointer. Whereas these 4.5 midfielders or forwards, they're garbage. They're going to get you jack squat. So that's Reach. the only thing. That's the only thing to call out that is tough with the five at five at the back. But given that we are going to wild card early and we are able to reset our teams, you can be more aggressive and have a very thin to non-existing bench and hope that everyone else is um, ready to go. It is worth mentioning that you know what you're saying, Brian, is very true and is going to be uniquely applicable this season because for the first time the premier league is going to have five subs so i think the bench is even more important than in seasons past so you really want to find the 4.5 million striker on one of these promoted teams that is actually going to play regular minutes or a a cheapy midfielder um there's this guy uh on andreas terrera on man united he's reportedly getting a permanent move to fulham he's 4.5 million in midfield so guys like this that are going to be locks to play regular minutes on not great teams is where i would be splashing uh kind of bench cash and and um just kind of set and forget they'll be on your bench pretty much the whole season yeah i'm actually looking at this as a glass half full perspective where hey maybe sam greenwood for leeds even though he's 4.5, he just makes a bunch of sub appearances. So if something crazy happens and I get into my second or third bench slot, at least he's coming on late in games, right? We've seen so many times where 4.5 million pound players don't play at all. But since we have more subs, maybe we get a, a few extra bonus points here or there throughout the season. And maybe you luck into some lucky, uh, lucky assist or something like that. So that's the glass half full uh, mantra that I'm trying to take on with this new sub rule. Are you saying it's Keenan Davis o'clock? Because that's what I'm hearing. Bro, did you not did you not see my my DM that I sent you? He is now 5.5 million. He what? scored less than he scored less than 10 points. I think he went out on loan and he came back and he got a one million pound price ride. So Archer, Archer's my guy on Villa. He's the new 4.5 dead guy that I might have to have on my team just to have some Villa representation to replace Davis. I'm sorry to all of you that are listening on podcast apps and uh, are not live on this video feed because my brain literally just exploded out of my ears, my mouth, my two nostrils. It was gross. You don't want any part of it. Uh, I think with that, you know, we should just mention there are bench options and you need to fill your team out with some cheapies, um, especially if you're going with Mo Salah at 13 million, you're going to need some discount double check guys to make your roster make sense. So double check. Yeah, don't be scared of these guys. Just I would target teams that have these guys locked into their side as just a a, a quick point of emphasis. You don't want to be chasing a guy that's you know, third or fourth on the bench, and you know maybe he comes in uh, and has upside if he makes it into the rotation, but he's not in the rotation uh, even going into preseason. So uh, I would just be wary of players like that. And with that, I think that's. That's really our initial thoughts. I know this was a little longer than we expected. We're just so eager to get back to recording, to get back to playing the FPL game that we love. And it's great to be back on the mic with you, Brian. I know that's my personal sentiment. Yeah, it feels so good to be back. Thank you for tuning into this first episode of the season two of the FPL Blues podcast. We're looking forward to getting more involved. Bucks has been out there on our Twitter 
in a big way, starting to meet a lot more managers. We're super excited to get more involved in the FPL community here in the U.S. with some meetups this season. And uh, definitely check us out at FPL Blues Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. And we can't wait to have some banter with you, check out some Rate My Teams, give some feedback. It's tinker time, baby. This is one of the most fun times of the season. So we're going to take advantage of it and uh, pay attention to the preseason news. You know, don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket when Jesus scores two goals, but definitely take notes on who's performing well. And I think as Buck said, that's where we're going to find some of our emerging 4.0 and 4.5 million pound guys to round out our teams. So we'll be covering that on future pods too, but pay attention. And we're only three weeks away. Bucks can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, last thing we do want to mention, we have our FPL Blues podcast league is up and running. The league code is 4MUMS2. Four mums too. The ladies are welcome. Everyone gets a spot in the FPL Blues podcast league. And we sent out trophies for our cup winner last season, for our overall winner. Uh, it's a good time. You can get pod shout outs. So we look forward to a great season together. This is just the start. There's a lot more to come. So thanks everyone for listening. Subscribe. And we can't wait for a great season ahead. <laughs>